Sounded just like Jason was here, didn't it? I mean, <laughs> we're in 2 Samuel chapter 15. We'll look at verses 13 through 27. Uh, Absalom, David's third son, who is ambitious, has succeeded in turning the hearts of Israel to himself and away from his dad, David. Absalom, his conspiracy, has taken root. And Absalom now is the people's choice to be their king. Absalom will be the third king of Israel, but only for a very short period of time. Just as a reminder, the people of Israel originally rejected God as ruling and governing over them. And they wanted a king. They wanted a leader like the other nations around them. And God gave them Saul. And Saul, unfortunately, was a disobedient disaster. Then God had Samuel, his prophet, anoint David, a man after God's own heart, anoint David as king. But now we find that the people have rejected David. And David happened to be the greatest king Israel ever had. And they've chosen Absalom. He's a good-looking young man. Scripture says there was no flaw in him whatsoever. And he's the son of David. And he's there, and he will be their leader very temporarily. But we have to understand, God's system of government for Israel was himself. What we would call a theocracy. And unfortunately, mankind, and Israel in particular here, find a theocracy offensive. Let me point out, and this is my opinion here, Democracy, as we know it here in America, has turned into sort of a religious type thing. Many Americans adhere to democracy as being a Christian method of government. And democracy is hailed as a beautiful form of government. But I've heard it said, and I agree with this statement, democracy only works until the people realize they can vote themselves benefits. And then, again, my humble opinion, we elect leaders in our country on the basis of how do I benefit from this candidate. And all this proves to me is Man is not capable of governing man. So we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But it's imperative that we study and look at Israel, God's chosen people, and if nothing else, learn from their mistakes. And if we see nothing else in this morning's passage, let's look at Israel and notice how they turned away from God 
turned away from God's chosen leader for them. And now we find Israel flocking to a handsome, good-looking, long-haired man. And I'm against anyone with lots of long hair. For reasons of myself. Long hair is for rock stars, charming actors. Not leaders. But scripture is candid in exposing the sins of David. We don't read of scripture hiding any of the sins of David. But now David, he's on the run from his own son, Absalom. And Absalom is conspiring against David, his dad. So let's read 2 Samuel 15, 13 through 23. Now a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all the servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out with all his household after him, but the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then all the servants passed before him, and all the Cherites and Peleites and the Gideites and six hundred men who had followed him from Gath passed before the king. Then the king said to Atai, the Gittite, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came in yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today, since I go, I do not know where? Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Atai answered the king and said, as the Lord lives, as my Lord the King lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the King shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. So David said to Atai, go and cross over. Then Atai the Giddite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people crossed over. Then the king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron. And all the people crossed over towards the way of the wilderness. We have David departing Jerusalem. David, he is a warrior uh, by occupation. Uh, he was... You know, it wasn't a small thing for him to kill Goliath and to lead Israel in many battles. And now he will flee Jerusalem. He will leave Jerusalem with his followers to avoid bloodshed. David understands his son Absalom. And Absalom would not hesitate to strike the people of Jerusalem with the sword if it meant he would prosper. For David to flee Jerusalem is preferred for fighting against his own son, where many fellow Israelites would perish by the sword. But then we read a disturbing 
thing. David leaves ten concubines behind to care for his house. The trouble with that statement, ten concubines were nothing more than ten mistresses for David's sexual pleasure. David has embraced the sinful ways of the world in taking women for his pleasure. David has many faithful servants, the Cherites, the Peleites, and they were like David's personal bodyguards. But now we see David, he's growing old. We see the different kingdoms that surround Israel began to gather to him. But we see the men of Israel begin to depart from him. It's interesting to me that Jesus came to his own people. He came to the Jews, and who rejected him? The Jews. And David speaks of a tie, a loyal follower, and a tie is a He's, he's a man from a foreign nation. But a tie will remain with the king of Israel. But David speaks of Absalom now being the king in verse 19 there. But we see in a tie that he is fiercely loyal to David. He says, David, you are my king. And wherever you go, David, whether it brings life or whether it brings death, I am with you. This kind of friendship and loyalty is demonstrated when we most need it. When our needs are apparent, we look for those close friends. And David has found him a close friend in a tie. There's a cost for a tie to be loyal to David. David's on the run, but a tie still identifies with him and stays with him. A tie, he's not wishy-washy. He's not willing to go to Absalom, his son. He is decisive. He's steadfast. He's with David by choice. A tie is loyal to David, and he's quick about it. He doesn't have to consider it. He's already probably considered, I will go and align myself with David, and he's not going to be persuaded by David to stay behind and join Absalom. It's not a lingering or wishy-washy friendship that a tie has for David. A tie saw something in David that drew him to him. David was a great leader. David was a man of God. And when a tie compared David to the other kings of other nations or even to Absalom, he saw something in David that just drew him to David. <clears throat> a tie is a willing, it's willing that David's fate will be his fate. Now, we have a greater one than King David to align ourselves with. Aren't you glad of that? I don't know about you, but I desperately desire to be loyal to my Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be loyal to my Lord for the benefits 
And there are many benefits of serving the Lord. But I want you to stop for a moment. Consider, just consider, why do you, why do we follow and pattern our life after Jesus? Why do we do that? Most of the world doesn't recognize Jesus as God. We're in a minority there. Many pay tribute to Jesus as a loving, wise, kind prophet, but most of the world doesn't recognize Jesus as God. Allow me to present two men in the New Testament that were called to follow Jesus. You're familiar with the stories, I'm sure. First is a rich young ruler. And that's in Luke 18. So turn to Luke 18 and we'll look at verses 18 through 23. Luke 18, verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good, but that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these I have... All these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. First thing this young man says to Jesus, Good teacher. And he has a question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Not earn it, inherit it. To inherit is simply to receive a gift. There's no earning of it. It's a gift given by the giver. And notice Jesus only requires of him the man-to-man Commandments. He didn't, Jesus didn't get in the God to man commandments. He said the man to man commandments, stealing and lying and that kind of thing. And the rich man declares, Hey, I've kept those since my youth. Now, I would have argued with that young man, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't refute him. He rather says, You still lack one thing. There's still one thing missing, young man. And then he puts his finger right on the man's problem. Sell all you have. Give to the poor. Notice he says, give to the poor, not to me. Jesus didn't want his money. And you will have treasures in heaven. This is the first part of Jesus' command to him. Then the second part is, Young man, you come and follow me. Another passage of this same episode tells us that Jesus looked at this young man and loved him. 
And Jesus, the good teacher, by this man's confession, loses one more disciple because he was very rich. His riches prevented him from following Jesus. And the rich young man goes away sorrowful. I have a question. What would a tie, the Giddite, who left his own people, abandon his own private future to align with David, who is now fleeing Jerusalem, what would a tie think of this rich young ruler? He gave up everything to follow David, who's <laughs> leaving his kingdom. But we have one more example I want to point out, and that's Jesus is at Caesarea Philippi. His disciples, his followers, come and they join Jesus, who is in prayer. And that's in Luke 9, verse 18 through 20. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him and asked, asked them, saying, who do the crowd say I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah. And others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. But he said to them, But who do you say I am? And Peter answered and said, The Christ of God. Jesus wants to know from the disciples who the people, or what do they think that Jesus is? Is he a prophet? Is he God? Is he Messiah? Is he Lord? And they give him the answer. John the Baptist, perhaps Elijah, an old prophet that's risen. But Jesus wants to know, okay, what do you, my disciples, who do you say I am? That is a question, by the way, that all of humanity will eventually have to answer. Who do you say Jesus is? We're told that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. This is perhaps Peter's most shining moment as a follower of Christ. And he says, you are the Christ of God. In another passage, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit has revealed that to you, Peter. But let's continue in verse 21. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. First thing we see here, Jesus doesn't want the disciples making him known before his, his hour to be crucified or glorified. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. That happens to be Jesus' favorite name for himself. 
And he says, the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the religious leaders of Israel, and be killed. But he will rise the third day. Therefore, my disciples, my followers, and that includes us Christian friends, it's a test of loyalty. And as Christians, we also must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. A tie, he is an Old Testament example of following David, a, a king that's on the run, a king that his son is chasing after him to kill him. But you and I, we as Christians, we're allowed to follow Christ, the Son of God. We're not following a dethroned king. What is our benefit? Eternal life. That's not a bad, bad trade-off. We follow Christ. We inherit eternal life. And this is the very thing that the rich young ruler wanted. How do I inherit eternal life? Jesus told him he couldn't accept it. Jesus puts our choices in perspective with another question. Jesus asks, what does it profit a person or a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What have you gained? Jesus desires that each and every one of us, his followers, be like him. That's what he desires. We're to take up our cross daily and follow him. That can entail a lot of different things, but it's basically, basically be willing to be disliked, to be the minority, to be the lesser, to be a servant, to take abuse, turn the other cheek. You can go on and on and on what it's like to follow Jesus. Simply put, there is a cost, a true cost to true discipleship. And all discipleship means is to be a follower of Christ. So I urge you, do not waver. Be solid in your commitment to our Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, First off, we count it a privilege to know the truth about your son, Jesus. We're not in darkness. We don't always live up to your standards. We sin, we fall short. But Lord, our heart's desire is to come after you, to be loyal to you. And Lord, we don't want to be milk toast Christians. We want to be Christians 
that are loyal, that are true to you. Lord, you've given us eternal life. We want to be uh, appreciative of eternal life. We've already entered into our eternal life. It's just a matter of time till we're, we rise and see you face to face, Lord. Then that all this life we've lived will just be past tense. So, Lord, by your Spirit, instill into us that desire to follow close after you, to be that one that is worthy to be counted among your, your children. Lord, we live in troubling days, troubling times, and we need to be true and loyal to you. We want to be faithful to you, Lord. It's that simple. So help us. By your Spirit, just help us, Lord, to be all that we are supposed to be, all that we can be in your kingdom. And, Lord, we do pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.